Well, hey there, City Church. How are you guys doing? It's good to see you. My name is Michelle Jack, and I'm the executive pastor here. And although I've been on staff for almost two years now, I realized that we haven't spent very much time together like this in this forum. So I wanted to just spend a few minutes to let you get to know me just a little bit better. Well, I've lived here in San Antonio virtually my entire life, and I have two siblings. I have an older brother, and I have a younger sister. And we come from a very large Hispanic and close-knit family. Now, when I say large, I mean my great-aunt had 26 children large, and, yeah, 26 children. And if we lived in a different zip code than my grandmother, we lived just way too far. Now, my husband, on the other hand, he just has a younger sister, and he was a military brat. So he has literally lived all over the world, and he never lived anywhere longer than three years until he met me. So as you can tell, we have had very different upbringings, and this is incredibly apparent when you look at how we interact with our three children. So let me give you a few examples. When we're verbally showing affection to our four-year-old daughter, my husband goes, where's daddy's little princess? And he has a really deep voice and sounds absolutely nothing like that. I just had to do that. And when I'm verbally showing affection to our four-year-old daughter, it sounds like, I'm mija linda chula preciosa. <laughs> and yet we can both make her melt. Now, when one of our kids gets a small scrape or a bump, my husband goes straight for the first aid kit to put a Band-Aid on the boo-boo. Now, when they get a cut or a scrape and they come to me, nothing's broken, nobody's gushing, sana, sana, colita de rana, off you go, go play. We can both kiss it and we both make boo-boos better. Now, when our kids are acting a fool and my husband is trying to take control of the situation, he just has to walk into the room and he goes, hey! and he gets their attention real quick. But y'all, when my kids are acting a fool and I need to come into the room and take care of the situation, I don't need to say anything. <laughs> La chancla. Now, for those of you that don't know about the chancla, one, consider yourself lucky, and two, it is what some of us Latina moms use to show who is really in control. Now, okay, okay, before anybody floods my email, I don't really use the chancla <clears throat> all that much, but I do <laughs> use the look, okay? And I have to confess that I may have used the look once or twice on my husband as well. Now, in fairness, the man knew what he was getting into when we first met. I remember the first time that we met, I was back in the corporate world, and this was years ago, and I was called to walk into a meeting and to stop a project from moving forward, like literally kill something that people had been working really hard on for months. And I walk into this meeting and there's this designer who's designed all these really great things. And it was this poor man and he was presenting it. And I'm like, yeah, this is gonna stop. And so I kind of felt bad because there was a little bit of shock. So afterwards I went to go find him at his desk. And I was like, hi, I'm Michelle. I don't know you, you must be new here. But uh, this looks all really good. You did a great job, but this needs to stop. And if it doesn't stop, you and I are gonna have to have more conversations like this. And neither one of us wants that, so just stop, okay? Thanks. 
And I remember walking away from that interaction going, man, that poor guy. And I find out later that he walked away from that interaction going, I'm gonna marry her. (laughs) And so y'all, he knew what he was getting himself into. And still to this day, he calls me his spicy Cholula, (laughs) which means I think a control freak with a spicy flair. All right, so anybody, can y'all let me off the hook? Can anybody out there relate? Ladies, let me see your face. Okay, that face right there has just made the man next to you freeze and not move. It's like his worst nightmare in church. Well, I bet whether we want to admit it or not that we can all relate because at one time or another, we try to control things. We try to control our kids because what could they possibly know? They're kids, right? We try to control our spouse because we need to fix them and our way is better. We try to control our coworkers because we refuse to be taken advantage of again. Y'all, we even try to control the way that we look because we sure are gonna make our ex sorry they ever dumped us. And the list goes on and on. But here's the thing. Needing to be in control of things doesn't come from a healthy place. You see, controlling behavior is generated in what is called the ego mind. And the way the ego mind functions depends on how it was developed. And the more undeveloped, the more control it will want to exert, and the less it will allow you to trust and let go. Now, the ego mind is driven by our need to be safe, and it defines what is safe by what is familiar to us. And all the conditioning conditioning that the ego mind reacts off of happened from messages it received when we were younger. Now this can be problematic for some of us because at a young age we couldn't determine whether something was good or whether something was bad. So while we were growing up, if we didn't receive the basic needs like being loved, accepted, or validated, as we get older and those needs aren't met, it could create this feeling of emptiness inside and make us feel like something is missing. Now this is where our ego mind kicks in and it tries to fill that gap, causing us to micromanage our life so that everything is familiar to us. And this is what creates control. Essentially, our experience with control in our younger years has likely become what's familiar to us. So we imitate it. It's the only way that we know how to survive. But here's where the problem comes in. We all want a life that is good where our kids do better than we ever did. Where we all have that Instagram marriage all the time and it makes other couples jealous where we can have complete trust in our friends and where we love and appreciate all of the people that we work with. We all want the good life. And this is why we try to take control. But trying to control everything is impossible, not to mention exhausting. So there has to be a better way to break down the barriers to our good life without having to hold the chancla. Now, I would like to spend the next two weeks unpacking this better way to break down our barriers by looking in scripture at the story of a life of a man named Joshua. 
Now, Joshua was this incredible warrior. He was a servant to Moses, and Moses was the rock star leader that led the nation of Israel out of slavery. Now, when Moses died, Joshua was tasked with the difficult job of taking over several cities that were promised to the Israelite people. The thing was, he had to do this on his third day of his new job, right after the previous leader died and he had no time to mourn, with an army that didn't have the right weapons or the right training, and they had literally been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now talk about drinking from a fire hose. That was one heck of a first week on the job. But Joshua was up for it because he was holding the chancla. Now the first battle they had to fight would be at a place called Jericho. So Joshua rallied his troops and he led them towards the Jordan River. Now, Joshua, who was a highly strategic soldier, personally went to go and scout out enemy territory, intending to create a strategy and a battle plan on how they would attack the city. But that all changed when, they, when he had a very fateful encounter. Listen to what happened. Now, when Joshua was new Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, are you for us or for our enemies? Okay, now let's imagine that we're Joshua for just a second. We're alone on the outskirts of a city. We're crawling around to stay out of sight. We're secretly scouting out the enemy and we look up and there's this man with a sword standing over us. What kind of instinctive reaction do you think that Joshua could have had? I mean, what kind of instinctive reaction do you think you would have had? You could have gotten ready to fight. You could get ready to run. But it's interesting to me that Joshua didn't do either one of those things. Instead, he asked the dude standing over him with a weapon a question. Are you for us or for our enemies? You see, he wanted to know before he did anything, whose side are you on? Y'all, how many times do we do this? Before we do anything for somebody else, do we wanna know, are you for me or not? I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I think that's a valid question. But look at the answer that Joshua got. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Hmm. Neither? What? I mean, Joshua is standing in front of the commander of the army of the Lord with a drawn sword on the night before the biggest battle of his life thus far, and he says neither. He's neither there for him or for his enemies. I mean, what is that supposed to mean? I imagine that that's not what Joshua wanted to hear. I imagine that that's not what you or I would want to hear either. But this is where I would like for us to consider that maybe asking if God is for us or not is the wrong question. You see, it's never a question of whether or not God is on our side, but whether or not we are on God's side. You see, he was there and he was saying, I'm not here to take sides, I'm here to take over. 
Y'all, this is very important. God does not want to take sides. He wants to take over. So when your marriage is a wreck and you're holding tight to the chancla, God wants to take over. When your kids are succumbing more and more to peer pressure and you're doing everything that you can to try to control them, God is here to take over. When the weight of your financial burden is taking over and is suffocating, God wants to take over. When you get a life-altering diagnosis and you're reeling from the potential future that you have to face, God is here to take over. When your coworker throws you under the bus again to get ahead, God does not take sides. God wants to take over. And so the question is, if God wants to take over, how exactly do we let him? Well, let's see what Joshua did. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. All right, let's imagine that we're Joshua just one more time. Could this have been a little confusing? I mean, he's about to go into battle where lives are on the line, like his life is literally on the line. I imagine that maybe he was hoping for something a little bit more strategic, like strike at dawn or station your troops on the left side of the city or train your guys in hand-to-hand combat. But nope, he got take off your sandals. Now, why in the world would God have said such a thing? You see, back in those days, the shoe represented supreme power and possession. A shoe would be removed from a person in order to indicate that he had lost his authority. Removing your shoes literally meant that you were transferring power. So by Joshua removing his shoes, he was surrendering and transferring authority to God. He was letting him take over. Y'all, God is telling us how we surrender. In a world where there are way too many variables for us to control and we have the impossible task of trying to keep it all together, knowing that we really can't, there is someone who can and he wants to take over. Y'all, it's such great news that our all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-living, all-loving God does not take sides. He takes over. And when God takes over, things are gonna get resolved. It's like when mom walks in the room with the chancla. Things are gonna get resolved. And he wants the chancla. And in Joshua's case, he wanted it quite literally. Y'all, God wants to take over everything. But here's the hard part. When surrendering really matters is when it happens with something that you and I care deeply about. When we would normally handle it ourselves because it is that important. God knew how important this was to Joshua. He knew that the Israelites had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, 
that Moses had just died, that Joshua had been in leadership of all of three days, and that lives were on the line as Joshua prepared his troops to go into battle. But Joshua surrendered and he let God take over something that really mattered. So my question for you today is, what is that thing for you? What is that thing that is so important that you have to handle it and control it yourself? Is it your teenager that's not making all the right decisions? Is it your spouse and their behavior? An emotional or a physical affair with a coworker? Sex outside of marriage? An addiction? Is it your fear, your anger, your pride, your depression? We all have something. And as a self-proclaimed and husband-confirmed control freak, I am no exception. You see, after accepting Christ about 10 years ago, I began to purposely seek and learn more and more about him. And I did some major adjustments to my life to get on the right track. I mean, I loved God and he did some incredible things early on in our relationship, but I hadn't fully surrendered everything. You see, I was raised in a fatherless home and I was repeatedly abused over and over by a trusted male in my family. And experiencing that at a very young age created this distorted view of men, of love, and of sex. And as a young adult, I learned to use sex as power in my relationships. It was what I learned from my abuser, and it was the way that my ego mind filled in the gaps with something that was familiar. This was my way to control. Now one day, a couple of years after accepting Christ, I had a defining moment with God. He convicted me so strongly that I was overwhelmed with emotion, and for the very first time, I fell to my knees to pray. I felt God speaking to my spirit, saying, I have great plans for you. I wanna give you so much. I want to restore you and make you new, but you have to let me. You have to surrender everything to me. Will you trust me? You see, at that time I had been what I call a cafeteria Christian where I was picking and choosing the areas of my life that I wanted to let God in on. You see, I wanted all of his glory, all of his fullness, all of his blessings, all of his mercy. I wanted all of his grace, but I did not want to release control. But that day, I did. And in a defining moment between God and I, I took a vow of abstinence until marriage. Now y'all, at the time, this was a really big deal for me because I had never been married. I had absolutely no desire to get married. And so in my head, I was like, God, are you asking me to be a nun or like an old cat lady or something? But that day, I took off my shoes. I surrendered something that really mattered. I surrendered that thing, and I let God take over. Y'all, and after I did, God blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. He gave me something I didn't even know that I wanted. Not only did he bring me a man that honored my vow of abstinence, but he brought me a man that loves me for me. 
And he loves my son from a previous relationship as his own. And we have two children together. And we have no cats. <laughs> that is how great our God is. Folks, I want the same thing for you. All you have to do is let go of the chancla. Now, in a minute, we are going to create an environment for you to have the ability to have your own defining moment with God. So here's what I want you to do. When the song starts, create some space around you, create some space for you and God, and I'm asking you if you are ready to take off your shoes, to let go of the chancla and to surrender that thing. If it's your teen, your addiction, your marriage, your illness, or maybe for you today, it's your life and you want to begin a relationship with God. And if you are ready, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer that comes up on the screen with me, out loud or silently. God, I am tired of trying to control, fill in the blank. I believe in you and I trust you. I am taking off my shoes. I'm surrendering my way and giving you permission to take over. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let him have it all. Let him have it in your own. 
God, I thank you so much for every person that is here today, that's watching online and that's in the video cafe. And Father, I just lift up everything that everybody surrendered today. God, you know everything. God, you have those perfect plans for us. And Father, I just ask that you give us the peace and the knowledge right now and this understanding that washes over us that we can trust you with that thing, that we can trust you with what we just gave you and that you've got it and that you're holding that. And Father, as we close out 2017 and go into 2018 and we're making our New Year's resolutions, Father, I just pray that you help us every day to surrender everything to you. We trust you and we love you and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>